welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I am joined by comedian, writer, actress and founder of comedy women in print, Helen Ledra. Hello. Hello. How joyous to be in your pod situation. That's great. Pod situation. Well, welcome to the Divorce Club. Divorce Club. Divorce Club. And what made you, Sam, uh, call it the Divorce Club, may I inquire? Well, I recently got divorced. So keyword there in the title. But Mm. I felt a little bit like as soon as I started to tell people that I got divorced, the people who hadn't been divorced looked very awkward and avoided the conversation. And the people who had been divorced kind of lit up is the wrong word, but immediately started telling me about their experiences. And it definitely does feel like a bit of a club. Like if you've experienced it, you have a certain bond with someone who's telling you about it. So that's why I called it the divorce club. No, I think it's good. I think it reminds me of that American film called, was it The Many Wives or The First Wives Club or yes. you know, any any of those things. But I would suggest as a as a person who's been around the block a few more times than you, you're young, is that it's quite raw at the beginning. So all this quite legitimate, understandable awareness that you're experiencing, I suspect, give yourself five years or less it will just be another thing like, oh, that time I got my lips tattooed, which is a bloody stupid thing to do. Do you know what I mean? It'll be just become a feature as opposed to a identity, a more of an identifiable thing. Do you have your lips tattooed? I do. I've put lipstick on. Unusually in this lockdown situation, makeup is such a rarity. But what happened years ago, in fact, I think I had just become separated. So I was in that situation 
And I thought, what can I do to, to hurt myself? And I went to this woman near Liberties, it was, and I, for an outline of my mouth to be tattooed, uh, I said, will it hurt? And she said, yes. <laughs> so I cracked on. <laughs> May I just tell you, it was the most painful thing. Think of all the times you've been chucked. I mean, this is physical pain. And so now in the days when I do acting and the makeup girl sort of tries to take my lipstick off, I go, no, no, don't worry. It's a tattoo. So there we are. Bit of a tattoo story there. Wow. So hang on. So did you have the outline tattooed or the yeah. whole lip? No, God. Can you imagine that's kind of labial? Oh my God, sadism, masochism, the outline. But what isn't helpful is that it's not that even. And of course, as the years have gone by, some of it stayed more than others. But it's still there because some kind beauty people in the days when one would go to have the odd things sorted, they'd say, why don't you get it lasered off? But you go, oh my God, more pain? Why would it? I, I live with it. Sometimes you just have to go, I did a thing. And one lives with the consequences. It's the same as marriage. You do a thing and you just live with the consequences. So we're comparing marriage to lip tattoos already yep. and I'm into it. Yep. Well, I haven't had my lips tattooed. No. And how long does a lip tattoo last for? Because my marriage didn't last that long. No. How long did your marriage last? Like a year and a half, two years. That's quite brief, but actually my marriage was quite brief as well. The lip tattoo has endured uh, the ravages of emotional trauma for the last 20 years because my daughter is now 29. So what happened was I met the father, Romance Romance, eight months later, like we wanted to have a child. So we did that. Then I got married when I was six months pregnant. So very similar to you, Sam, I think the whole thing was done and dusted, as they say, in 18 months, which is quite rapido. Yeah, we're, we're fast movers. We're, oh, totally. So if people are looking for commitment, they should go for a lip tattoo rather than a marriage. I think a lip tattoo, very good conclusion. Well, you were in there. It endures. <laughs> Whether one <laughs> likes it or not, it endures. But I often think when you look at marriages of people where they've never, neither of the parties have been divorced, I look at them and I go, wow. You know, I mean, most people I know, I think, are either single or or have been divorced. I don't know too many people my age who met the person at that time when you start thinking about 30s and then is still there in their 60s. It's unusual, I think. Okay. So why do you think your marriage and then consequent divorce was so quick? <laughs> well... I think I was in my 30s when I fell in love, got pregnant, got married in that order. And I think that I didn't really know myself that well, or both of us didn't really know each other that well. And possibly we were quite similar, but I thought he would be, I completely misread him. I thought that I could just crack on doing my own stuff and somebody would like me a lot and look after me. And I thought, great, which actually is a very stupid way to look at it. I mean, who's going to do that anyway? I mean, what's in it for anyone else? But I think I just mistook him for someone like I thought my father might be, even though he wasn't as old as my father was. And so clearly that wasn't the setup. When you realize that the other person has needs and a career and an identity and foibles, just like me, I, I just, I don't think either of us understood. Like it's another person and you have to do stuff. 
I think we were similarly naive. And that's being kind. <laughs> that was my kind explanation. There's obviously other stuff. What about you? Are you in that phase where you can do kind explanations or are you sort of a bit sadder and bitter? Not bitter, but sadder. I went through an angry phase recently. I did a mm. Zumba class online with quite a sexist Zumba instructor. Oh. And he made me very angry. And then all this anger came out through this Zumba class of like everything to do with my marriage and everything. Which wow. So I actually think it was very cathartic. And it, it was all directed at this Zumba teacher, poor man. Did you say cross things to the Zumba teacher direct? Well, luckily, it wasn't a two-way thing. So I was just watching him as an online recorded video. Okay, so he couldn't hear what I was We're saying. We're in lockdown. <laughs> We're yeah. in lockdown. I was thinking, God, that must have been a month ago. Okay. So, but so the I could shout out. at him, yeah, and in my living room, and he didn't have to know or receive the brunt of the anger. What are you angry about? I think most- it's more just angry that it didn't work and that we couldn't make it work and that now I don't have anyone. And that's not Mm. my ex's fault and it's not my fault, but I can still be angry about it. But would you rather be with someone and be unhappy with them? I mean, it's an obvious question, but... I mean, no, absolutely not. And I'm definitely much happier now. But I think you do go through stages of of feelings, don't you? And there's an initial sort of sad stage and then... I think I had the freedom of like, whoa, I'm going to live my life and go and be crazy stage before I had the sad stage. And then a bit of the anger stage has come out. So I'm definitely fully in the stages of marriage grief. Yes, I understand that. It's quite helpful sometimes to chunk, if I may use that word, chunk those different feelings down because you can be sad and you can be angry. And then you're also saying another thing, which is, you don't have anyone and they're almost quite separate things because you could be lonely with a person if you're not tuned in and you're set on course to be with that person that's that's like not having someone as well so so i think to be married is not easy and it's quite it can be very restricting and do we still believe in the endurance talking about lip to endurance of meeting someone and that love sustaining you through all, all the kind of challenges and the difficulties. Because we put, and I think Sam, you're similar to, to me in this way, that we put ourselves under a lot of pressure. I mean, you've written a book, you've performed, you know, you've drive hard. And didn't you, you did the funny women thing, didn't you? The stand yeah, up? I was a funny woman finalist, yeah, stand up. So you're a person who asks a lot of yourself. So maybe kinder to yourself about you know not being left with nothing but having that experience I mean would you want that person back no and I think we both are happier you know out of it not just me he is as well it's a weird one I think the the idea of failure has always been a difficult thing for me. I hate to fail, which mm. is hilarious because I'm a stand-up comedian and mm. you fail on a nightly basis with mm. some of your jokes. Mm. But yeah, the idea of failure has always been a hard one for me. And I was brought up Catholic, which I've mentioned before. And so that kind of guilt that goes along with things not being perfect. Do you mean, when you say failure, you mean you then got to sort of stand up and be counted in your community as somebody who one minute told the world we're getting married, then you have to tell the world that we're, oh, by the way, when I said that, that was a lie, I'm not married. I mean, is that the way you interpret it with these sort of strictness 
I think you're seeing the world as being quite strict. Yeah, and I, suspect I guess the world isn't as strict as you think it is. Yeah, I guess the idea of getting married is standing up in front of people and saying, I love this person, I want to spend the rest of my life with them. And then two years later to stand up and be like, actually, that didn't work out. I'm on my own again now. <laughs> it is quite funny because you just go, well, yeah, you go, oh, yeah, by the way, Soz, uh, you know, like the toaster and the kettle, uh, do you want it back? You know, it is a kind of, um, it is a public announcement for, you know, to invite people to a place and talk about your union it's quite official isn't it marriage is quite official mm. but i think failure, and so is divorce yeah my version of yours which i get at the time is it's kind of like you've said you've invited yourself into a st status and other people are then rewarding you with that status of marriage and then there's a disappointment or there's a shift when people go oh you don't have that status anymore whereas if you hadn't been married to start with like i have a, a lovely just speaking to a, a lovely friend of mine who's never been married so she would never have to do that status shift because i just see her as a really bright interesting person to get drunk with my favorite criteria and i don't see her as lacking in any way but i think it's interesting if both of us uncovering that thing and my sister at christmas the first christmas after i had become divorced there was a bit of her having to tell the neighbors <laughs> and i suppose that's maybe that's what we're all talking about it's like we're not what we said we are and then people will go, oh, you must have had quarrels. Did you throw things? Ooh, you're human. Ooh, you're weak. But aren't we all like that anyway? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I don't know if you found, did, did the neighbours treat you differently when they found <laughs> out that you were divorced? <laughs> well, I don't know if I was invited to the drinks parties in Kent. Well, I suppose it is a reveal. So I'm being more bravado than perhaps is truthful. I mean, one is revealing that you've probably been in pain because even Prince Charles said, he did say something that I identified with. I don't know if he said this, but you know, you don't set out to get divorced when you get married. I mean, that's not an ambition. On the other hand, when I did meet my first husband, it was at a book launch, my first book, haven't written that many, uh, but it was a long time ago. And I knew weirdly when he walked in the room that I was going to marry him only because somebody had tipped me off that he liked me. And when I was at school on my thumb, if you look at your thumb, you look at the marks on your thumb. Well, I have three marks on my thumb and the girl in my class, I was 10 at the time, said, oh, you're going to get divorced because you've got three marks on your thumb. Okay, you're following this, Sam. So does this mean, so you like squidge, yeah. stick your thumb up like squidge. a thumbs up and then squidge yeah. the top down? Yeah, and I looked at the lines on it and there's a broken, line. there's three. So I always knew, oh, I'm going to get divorced. So when he walked in the room, I thought, I'm going to marry you and I'm also going to divorce you. And I was <laughs> right. <laughs> I was right. But then that also might have been a bit like my personality at the time. It was a long time ago and I kind of jumped into things. It's complicated with relationships because once somebody thinks they've got you, the interest goes. And I think the sustainability or the magic of a relationship is when you can just about do without the other person. And when that other person knows that you can just about do without them, then it keeps you interested. Yeah. And I think being needy and showing weakness, which is what love is about is not very attractive to be honest <laughs> and that's what marriage is, <laughs> it is. like <laughs> you know 
who likes needy? So it's quite complex. But I want to know, has your ex got someone else? My other half has someone else now. Yeah. Whereas I've just taken a period of time to just get back to me and been on a few dates. I've had a nice time sexually. Oh, well, you see, there you go. And I think that it is a generalization, but often men don't tend to be on their own for very long. I think they'll just find someone quite quickly. It's not complicated. And I think it's nice that we... Why would you want to do that again? Why, why would you want to get married again? Well, you're happily married now, again. I've been, yeah, I've been married, but I had 10 years where I couldn't bloody find a boyfriend for love or money, Sam. I had a kid, which slightly complicated things, I thought. I yawned a lot when I did go on dates because I was quite tired because <laughs> <laughs> he left when she was one. I say that, that sounds so mean that I'm really blaming him. That's a phrase and I have to be fair. I go, you know what? We just couldn't do it. Neither of us could do it. And there's a a disappointment. And there was a lot of anger because I hadn't actually understood my part in it. So there's all sorts of joyous therapy ahead (laughs) to try and unravel it. But at the end of the day, you do something with the best of intentions. And if you really can't make it work, the modern way, young people believe this. I think my daughter would say, of course, you shouldn't have been married. And if you think about other generations where they had to stay married, can you imagine what kind of life that would be? Yeah. In some ways, we are very lucky that we live in a world where we can get divorced. Yeah. And also as the woman, we can initiate a divorce as well. Obviously, the other party has to agree, but it used to be the case where we were kind of owned. So we are very lucky in that sense. But I want to know more about that 10 years when you couldn't find a boyfriend. <laughs> what was what was that like for you? Oh what God. do you think you were going through? Oh. How were you feeling? Well, I did want a boyfriend very much because I remember being on my own for many years and you just actually want a cuddle, you know, just like lack of physical contact, especially when you're young and you've got like even more drives, not just sexual, but just the whole thing. That was really hard. And then I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be with someone again, because I had quite a lot of boyfriends. I don't know why for such an insecure person, but I was always busy having lots of boyfriends. And then I had the situation with the marriage. And then it went to another extreme of like no boyfriends at all. And I remember name dropping, asking Dawn French, who was in those days a bit of a matchmaker, could she find me someone? And I met someone. I love this idea of Dawn French as like Yente from Finland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was many years ago. I mean, we all live in different worlds now, but I, this is true. There was a friend of one of her friends at an event and I did go out with him for quite a while. But I made her make that happen for me. I was so she was a good matchmaker. I chased it. Yeah, I chased it down. And I would do that for someone else because it's quite difficult to find single, reasonable people. I find in this world, it's complicated, isn't it? So I did have that boyfriend. But when you have a child, it's um, it complicates things again. So I just got used to not being with anyone for a while and just I think just doing other things just getting on with life writing stuff what did you feel during that time were you lonely or was this kind of search for a boyfriend kind of consuming you do you think 
well, I've always wanted a boyfriend from like 13 upwards. So I've been obsessed with boys. I mean, I just like the chase, Sam. I think the chase is so exciting. And I think actually then getting someone is different. Now, which is worse, question to you, being chucked or chucking? Being chucked, because I like being in control. Right. So, so you would find being chucked the worst thing? Yeah. Right. What about you? Was I think chucking, oh, the pain of it, the pain of it. You see, I, I almost don't want people to like me that much because it's such a responsibility. Because then if it doesn't, if you don't feel the same, then you hurt them. And that's annoying. <laughs> it's and do, you, do you think that comes from your kind of comedian <laughs> performer side of wanting people to like you, but then yeah. also wanting them to go away yeah when you finish the show everyone goes away yeah just go f off now done it now been nice i can be nice to anyone for a short period of time and then i think i need to just lie down alone for a bit but going back to this human need sexual need affectionate need yes i i do remember that time and thinking oh there's no one to say certain things to and even like a trip to garden centre might sound appealing <laughs> with someone. Oh, look at those plants. And you look at people going, oh, they're discussing plants. They're so fortunate. They have each other. But then, you know, that can get quite boring as well. So I think all you can do is be the person you are, which you're a great person. I don't know you well, but I know you're a good person. And then, you know, someone will come into that orbit. They just, it, that honesty happens. And that's how I met the second one through my school friend we weren't planning on it and I went to an event down in the country and I was really rude about all the men because they all look quite ugly and then (laughs) this person came up and I thought oh but not that horrible about him and I think I was a bit rude about the bow tie or something I, I was actually because I thought I was it, you know, I was just annoyed and sad about my career. And I'd already burst tears in the garden with my school friend going, I'm it's going nowhere. I'm never going to get married again. Duh, duh, duh. Literally a few hours later, I got off with him. And then six months later, I married him. Wow. So, you know, it does happen. It really, really does happen. Well, it happened to me. You seem to do things very quickly. <laughs> Is that a... <laughs> Yes, like the pregnancy. Because I thought, oh, well, I'm one of those people who will never have a child. And I really, really wanted one then in those days. And then I thought, well, I'd been on a mind and body course in Hampstead where you are taught to, to look out. I got into the habit of looking at the pavement and not looking at people and not having eye contact. And I think I'd just come off this mind and body course when I met Chris. And I actually just went for it. And normally I never would go for anything because I'm so scared of rejection. You know, like literally I went for it. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Amazing. (laughs) So serendipitous that you just finished this course. Yes, it was. It was actually, it was. And we were both divorced. So it was kind of a situation, although I think there was a little bit of a complication in his life because men are very rarely on their own completely. Trust me. There's always some baggage, but that soon saw that one off and um, yeah but 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 being on my own for years and years was just another part of my life 
and it was as, as important as being with someone. And what do you think you learned from, I mean, you said you cried at your friend in her garden saying that your yes. career and your love life yes, was, wasn't going well. She what, reminds me of that. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. do you think you learned from that time where everything was a bit difficult and you were on your own? A really good question. I'm really glad you asked me that because I know this sounds a bit, but I knew that the moment I owned the fact that I had no more expectations. I actually said, I really knew in my mind at that time that I was going to be on my own. It was about facing facts, just being realistic and actually being okay about that. And I know that sounds very therapy, therapy, but I was sad and it was a really bad time because I wasn't getting the work I wanted and, you know, just wasn't going in the way I thought I wanted it to go, which is sad making but I accepted it. So what is needed is to totally accept where you're at. Then you're leaving the door open for something better to come. If you're hanging on to stuff and kind of deluding yourself, it's harder to be open to someone else. I think if you just surrender that it's not going to happen, something does happen. It's that thing, when you stop looking, you find it. But yeah, looking for someone can put a lot of pressure on you. Not looking is good. I've heard that before, you know, when you stop looking, you find someone, but then yeah. it's so hard to yes, actually to stop it. looking. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'm not looking anymore, but no. you're still looking out the corner of your eye. Like, who's that? I know. Or, or another way is to not expect too much. Look, because that part of my mind and body course was saying, you have to look because I was not looking in an emotional sense. I was very closed down, got into the habit of not being open to people. So you can be open to people, but expect very little. That's quite a good trick. Because then if you go, I'm going to go out with this person and I'm assuming it'll just be for those hours, then you can't go wrong. You can't be disappointed. Can't be disappointed because I get, I'm just like you, I get disappointed. I do things wrong and then the rejection. And that, that is the huge risk when you're out there with relationships. It's a jungle. And so did you do this mind and body course because mm. you wanted to find someone? What was the idea behind it? Well, interestingly, on the course, you had to get into A's and B's a lot. And I think there are a lot of people living abroad, a lot of foreign students quite keen to shack up. And you get, for two days, it's really intense. And I remember there was a musician there, and I think he played for some slightly famous band. And I got obsessed, obsessed about him, wanting to be in his A and B. I was obsessed. And he didn't return the feelings. And that was quite bad. But what was good about that, was starting to feel stuff again. Because I think after a divorce, you, you sort of shut down your feelings. So this mind and body thing was shaking it all up. It was, it was like it had a sort of charismatic, you had to pay loads. It was a charismatic leader. And after you get over the cynicism, it's a good way to sort of, you know, mingle with people and, and challenge yourself. So you tried yeah. to get with a famous musician on the mind and body course. I did. And, and, he, and we had a nice drink and everything. But nothing doing, matey. It didn't happen. <laughs> and so luckily I was being held in the optimism of the mind and body like that's okay. But um, you have to put it out there. And if it doesn't come back, you have to go, that's okay. I love mm. that, that you, this kind of relentless desire from you to get a boyfriend, <laughs> but it eventually worked. And I think that's an amazing lesson of yeah. like... If you crack on, yeah. sooner or later... You get good at bread making or you get good at something. It's a muscle. You just don't give up, but don't expect too much. But you do have to make the first move a little bit. I was so frightened of rejection that it kind of happened a lot. 
because I was expecting it. And I would wear that kind of personality like, you know, and I think, again, the comedy, the comedian in you and me, you know, why why be a comedian if you're normal? I mean, why would you go there? So obviously we're complicated but and lacking in self-esteem, but also we're quite good fun. And I think people can get quite confused with the fun element because I love a laugh. I do love a drink and I love a laugh more than anything. And then also the other side. But if they can't hack that, then it's not going to work. I think one needs a certain type of person who finds all of that bearable slash interesting slash desirable. Yeah. Well, you did find someone who thought all that was desirable, Mm. still thinks it. So you're happily married now and you're second On my second one with a huge stonking gap of 10 years. And, you know, but we're old now, so it's kind of not. But I remember when we first met, we went to a restaurant in Clapham and neither of us ate. And that's always a good sign because we were actually in love. Because so you can't swallow. Well, you can't swallow food. But the thing is, <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't last. I mean, that can't last. Everything goes through phases. It just kind of evolves. So here we are. Yes, we're together. It's great. There's respect. And I, you know, I think I'm very fortunate. But I also know it's perfectly okay to be on your own. You know, it's, it is what it is. If you want to be with someone, then it, it would be nice if you are with someone, but it's not the end of the world if you're not with someone because you're still an amazing person. You've still got loads, you know, life is so full, you know? I love that. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So do you think you brought anything or any lessons from the first marriage into your second marriage? Uh Very different characters. The first marriage, we're very similar people. So um, this one, the person is not as extrovert, as more normal. So no, I think, I, I don't think I really worked out why it hadn't worked for a long time. Going back to your lovely divorce subject. I was cross for a long time and I resent the fact that for myself, I wasted five years being furious 
five years is a long time to be furious. Mm. And I do it differently if I knew more because I try and work on not being angry because I don't think I was in touch with my feelings anyway. I think I just sort of jumped in, thought it would all be all right because there was that da-da, all the sparkle. And I think a marriage needs more than that or any relationship, friendships. I mean, like look at, you know, lockdown and the anxiety and the panic and the paranoia that a lot of us are going through. You know, friendships will endure that, but you, you have to recognize these aren't normal times. So one's going to feel more heightened, you know. And, and why do you think you were angry for five years? What was blocking you from all the other emotions? I think I was angry, very similar to you actually, taking a long time to get around it, is I wasn't what I expected and I hadn't got what I thought I was going to get. So there is a kind of child, like, oh, it's not fair. So that is the child thing instead of going, but what were my feelings? And also if the other person isn't going to go down the path that you want to explore or is either incapable or doesn't want to, and I never knew which, (laughs) it's very hard to know with people, is it because you don't want to or because you can't? But either way, the result is if you're not going to go on that path together, the decent thing is to accept that and know that and move on. But um, it just took me a while. I don't think I'm very good in relationships, Sam, but then who is? You know, I wouldn't marry me. I'd be a friend of me. I think I'm a great friend, but I don't know if a partner, living partner is on too good. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm being hard on myself. It gets easier as you get older to just not ask so much of yourself. You're still young and you want loads out of life and you should. If you met someone tomorrow, which is highly unlikely in lockdown, but if you met someone, would you be up for it? I think so, but I'm not sure. Hmm. Hmm. That's good. So keep it, keep it bubbling. Yeah. You'll know, you'll know when the person engages or when you can compromise more or when you're just so lonely, you'll have anything. <laughs> <laughs> there's that. And there's nothing wrong with, with that. You know, there's many ways to skin a cat. Remember. Yeah. I think at the beginning of my divorce, I was sort of, I'll have anything because I just wanted yeah. to like, sure. you know, experience different things. Yeah. And and now I feel like I've got back to normal me now and I'm getting a bit more like I'm actually happy on my own. And if someone came along, that would be cool. But right hmm. now I'm sort of almost not, it's not that I'm not looking. It's kind of like, I don't really want anyone. Well, you see, it's good to own that because if that's a truth for you now, that's really helpful to know. And then you'll do all sorts of lovely, interesting things within that time. I think that leads you to a more truthful connection the next time a connection is going to be, which obviously it will. I mean, you can't go through life, someone like you, you can't go through life and not get off with people. You can't. I mean, you just, you're not that type. So obviously you're going to have more sex. I mean, and and (laughs) (laughs) and love because in one lifetime, we're all capable of falling in love with a lot of people in a lifetime. Mm. It's just that some, some of us marry the first one and then it screws it up for the the rest. And you mustn't let it screw you up. You have to go, I took a chance. I did my best. Maybe I didn't do my best, but what have I learned? Well, I learned. I hadn't ever had to be a proper person before. I hadn't had to be grown up before. But we did, for us, we had a child, which we both wanted very much. So there was a, 
a, a very good consequence of our very short relationship. But I think the anger thing, I do resent. I look back and I go, oh, God, how awful to go to bed angry and get up angry when you can't do anything about it. Here's the other thing. You can't control another person. I always thought I could. And there used to be these angry emails on word processors in those days, remember? And we probably don't, you're too young. But, you know, I just thought that I was achieving something by writing very precise emails about what we should be doing and terms of this and that. And you just go, oh God, all that energy. And the infuriating thing about that person was obviously didn't engage in that way. So, you know, I was the loser in getting het up about things. I think you have to go, the truth is this relationship couldn't go on and you've got to just, you know, move, move, move forward and not write angry emails. You're only hurting yourself. You know what I mean? Well, I'll just send you this misogynist Zumba teacher and that'll get all your anger out for the year, (laughs) just in one hour. It's great. But you are in a good place, though, on your divorce pod situation, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, I definitely feel happier and, and I feel in a good place to start interviewing people about it as well because I think mm. I needed to give it a little bit I gave it like a year and a half I needed to give yeah. it a bit of time before delving into it and actually it's so interesting talking to so many different people about their experiences what are some a couple of things that have resonated with you from your chats with others that you thought oh yeah I feel that people have just talked about their worst moment I don't know if you have a worst moment but like some of the mundaneness of people's worst moments that mean so much to them in, in that time. And, and I remember I had one of them, you know, crying on my mum's kitchen floor and oh. it feels like the world is falling apart. Yes. But then hearing, you know, the story of how they feel great now and maybe they found another love or they're, you know, loving life without anyone. And I think that comparison of people's worst moments to where they are now it's so, really good. Yeah, it's uplifting. Yeah. And you go, it's part of the human condition because how can you get through a whole life and not have worse moments? And we're fascinated by worse moments as comedians, aren't we? They obsess us and intrigue us in a weird way. I remember being very lonely uh, and what with a, my child and watching a thing called Bananas in Pajamas or something, some Australian children's thing. And I just think, that was bad. I was thinking, is this it? But then, you know, yeah, only because it wasn't, yeah, because I was doing it on my own. But then interestingly, to know that you can do things on your own, nothing lasts. So the good times don't last, here's a cliche, but the bad things don't last. So we know that the bad things don't last. They just don't. Yeah. And, and interesting, I was reading an article the other day, And one of the questions in the article was, was there a moment in your life or an experience that changed you forever? And I was thinking about that. And I think one of them was my dad dying. And I think another one of them might have been my divorce. Just because it's, you know, that new chapter and that getting, I I think I lost myself a little bit in that relationship at the end. And so did he. And getting back to me, the process after that, has been really cathartic. And also, I just feel like I know myself and what I want much more now. Yes, that makes sense to me. And the frustrating thing when you're in it, when you're in that kind of adrenaline, is you you want it to go away and you get almost addicted to it and you can't rush it. 
And that's that's a frustrating thing about being alive is you don't have control over your emotions. And bereavement is, yeah, one of them. You know, you don't expect it, but it does happen to most of us. Um, happened to me as well. And then you go, oh my God, am I ever going to stop feeling like this? But you do stop feeling about it. Uh, um, and when it, when you, it's a good sign when the adrenaline sort of slows down and you can allow yourself to think about that person and not have that charge of anger or sadness or whatever, it means that you're a feeling good human being. It must, I'm sounding really wanky here, but means that you're able to have a lot of empathy with other people. You know, there's a reason that you can go through all that, learn from it, and then be a better person at what you do, like with your writing your book and all this kind of stuff. Empathy is really useful. And I think it can feel like a lot of loss. You know, I lost my dad and then I lost my hearing in one ear Mm. and I wear a hearing aid now. And Mm. then I lost my husband Although mm. I wouldn't really call it lost because it was a conscious decision. But mm. I think life sometimes when in the darkest places can feel like a series of losses. But actually mm. when you come out of it and you look back, you focus less on the loss and more on the kind of journey and where that brought you afterwards. Absolutely. And think about this. You couldn't have done anything about the death. I mean, death, people die. So you couldn't have changed that. And the the hearing and the husband, yeah, I mean, you have to go, well, I'm still here. And who knows how imperfect everything is anyway. You're where you are now and it's what you do with it. So you're doing something with it now. And I bet you you're much more at peace than you were, you know, a few years ago. So we're, we're going in the right direction. We can't stop people dying, particularly not now. And that's the other thing. So it's, it's not what happens to you. It's how you deal with it. That is the essence of who you are. Yeah, definitely. And uh, do you think really strict? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think? I know. I like it. I feel like I'm getting a therapy session. I hope it's useful for other people as well. But I think you are getting therapy. Thanks. I was a social worker once. Remember? Oh, I I love it. (laughs) So during this time where you're kind of splitting up with someone, getting divorced, looking for someone new. Did you find that your divorce affected other areas of your life? Like you had a small child to bring up and you're, you know, a working comedian and Mm. writer. I worried a little bit about status. We talked about that before that, you know, I remember there was a writer guy. I think he wrote one of those writers who wrote for Cold Feet and I had a crush on him. And I sort of thought, oh, I come with baggage. You know, I'd second guessed how other people might view me. Yeah, yeah, like you were saying earlier, like, oh, she's done that and she couldn't keep a man or, oh, she might be a bit needy or she probably needs sex because she's, there's some weak, these are all uh, wrong, but I do remember thinking that about myself, like, or a, a converse way of looking at it is when you are in a relationship, the thing is, it's not a fair comparison because I'm then not looking for anyone else. I just find it's life is less complicated now because I can turn up. There is a person, so I'm not looking, uh, but I don't need to talk about that person. So one can get on with communicating in a different way. But when you're younger and like quite rightly, like you, you know, you're, you're up for connections and fun. I think a newly divorced person has to really wear it, find a way to wear it so that it isn't a secret, but it doesn't define where you're going. It's just something, it's like, oh, that I went, I had red hair for that year. I just felt that red hair would represent me in a different way. And I don't have red hair now kind of thing. 
you've got to sort of see it more in a circumspect way. Yeah, because I think a lot of the time other people don't know how to react to you as well when they find out you've got divorced or they hear that you have got divorced. And almost you have to, I like that phrase, you have to wear it because it's almost mm-hmm. like you need to show them yeah. how you feel about it so they know how to react. Yeah, and I think a helpful way with that, with the wearing it thing, is not to dwell on it too much, but you could offer, I think offering a bit of ourselves, you know, revealing a bit of ourselves is really nice because then that person will feel safe to reveal a bit of their selves. I find it difficult in relationships when people are very private and don't say anything about themselves. So if you demonstrate genuinely that you're okay with it and bits of it interested you and you you got that bit wrong, but so did he or it's not that it's all nicey nicey you can reveal and then it doesn't define you so I think we have to know that we don't have to have secrets yeah definitely I feel that since my dad died and getting divorced and losing my hearing and you know being in therapy for all of those things Mm. I've spoken more about me as a person and the things I feel than ever and actually it's brought a lot of my friendships that I had already kind of closer because I wasn't pretending that I was fine all the time like I was in the marriage but also you know even things like on social media or or this podcast, like I am now very open about things. And I do think that that means that people feel that they can share with me or, you know, sometimes it helps people. And that's what I hope about this podcast. I'm very pleased you're doing it. And I think like with comedy, it has to be authentic. So as long as you're interested in other people, they will be interested in you. It's that dynamic often in our world it has it's fast and it's superficial and you you have to use relationships to get where you need to be i accept that but every so often you meet someone you go actually i like that person why do i like that person i think that's much more interesting to seek the people that you like and what makes them likable and what you're doing is being genuine i mean not banging on <laughs> i mean at least the comedy saves us from banging on but also there's no shame in I mean, otherwise, we're talking about life, aren't we? We're talking about those bits of life that a lot of us have experienced. Yeah, absolutely. So I've just got a final few questions yeah. Yeah. of things yeah. that I'm Let's going through right now that I want yes. to get your advice on. So engagement ring and wedding ring from the first marriage. Did you have separate rings and what have you done with them? God, yeah. The first one didn't have a ring. And so that was like a no-no. And I didn't even think of asking him to have one. And, oh, blimey. Oh, we went to buy one. Yeah, we went through the motions in a rather self-conscious way because neither of us were really marriage material. We didn't think we were, but we were doing it. So we must have been. We bought a ring from a market off Piccadilly. And then I had a cleaner and his son, who was a window cleaner, nicked it. <laughs> so the ring has, was nicked. Was this after you got married? Yes, the ring was nicked. And why was I not wearing it? So we must have been divorced. I can't remember if I had a ring under that. Uh, I have forgotten or I have psychologically forgotten the infrastructure of my ringness at that point. And what about, did you have a special wedding outfit or dress and what's happened to that? I was six months pregnant, so getting fatter each time as a plump person anyway. So I had a lovely maroon velvet dress that I had made and it had a bit of hoo-ha, a bit of jewellery going on. It sounds awful, but I've still got it. 
I've still got it. I've got both my wedding outfits. Yeah. Yes. Where'd you keep them? Just a wardrobe. I'm pretty sure I must have it. God, I say that, do you know, maybe I don't. I can't remember, but I had it for a long time and it's maroon velvet and it's nice, but I was pregnant. And why have you kept it? Have you ever worn it since? No, never worn it since because people don't because it's for the do. And the second one, I had a green velvet jacket, but my weight goes up and down. Obviously, I wasn't pregnant the second time. Don't think I wore that again. Might have worn the skirt. So it obviously wasn't white. So normal people can't go out to the Groucho Club wearing white net unless it's <laughs> a particular kind of night. So, yes, that's the answer to those items. So have you just kept them for the memories? Yes, but I'm a hoarder anyway. If you looked at my office, I can't get rid of poems I've written aged seven. That's a lie, um, 10 but I wouldn't get rid of it. No, I, well, I haven't got rid of my current marriage one, but I'm now worried. I'm going to have to try and find that maroon pregnant one. I'm sure I have got it somewhere. Anyway, you've worried me. Sorry, I didn't mean Sorry. to worry you. It's fine. <laughs> you've triggered something now. Where <laughs> is that dress? Anyway, yeah. So do you think if you find it and you've still got it in your wardrobe, do you think you'll keep it forever or will you ever do anything with it? Well, I'm no longer angry. I know there's that thing about ripping up people's shirts and stuff. I think I just it just hangs. It's it's a thing for a day. So obviously it is significant and it just hangs in a spot in a wardrobe. And that's it. That's all its life needs to be. It's as significant or insignificant as that. Okay. And what about your divorce certificate? Ooh. Do you have it framed? Do you know where it is? <laughs> do you know, it was so long ago. I do remember we had solicitors and we spent all this money on solicitors. And then there was a pause and a, a gap. And then his solicitor died and he didn't even know it died. It was just so ridiculous. All that, all that time and money talking through a solicitor when the two of us could have just talked, except we couldn't talk, which is why we would get divorcing, of course. So no, I don't know where the certificate is. It might be in my filing cabinet. Have you ever had to use it since for anything? No, why would you use it? I don't know, because solicitors say you have to keep them because you might need it. Oh, I no. suppose, ah, maybe if you get married again, you might need it. No, I, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. The searing questions. Did I'm you need it when you got married again? No. No. Okay. Well, actually, maybe we did because we were both divorced. So, yes, the jury's out on that. Okay, perfect. And is there anything else you would like to say if there's someone listening who mm. is, you know, thinking of getting divorced and can't quite bring themselves to make that decision or they're getting divorced and they're really struggling? Is there anything that you'd want to share with them? I would share with them that I know a lot of those feelings and a lot of people know a lot of those feelings. So therefore, it's, it's not unique. And pain is real, but does lessen in time. And maybe allow yourself to think about it for half an hour or less every day and be quite disciplined about that and get on with other things. And sooner or later, you'll come out of it. I think that's great advice. Mm, thank, thank you, Helen. You. That's been thank so useful. Well, I have to listen to your podcast. Please do. Just mm. your episode, no one else's. No, to this of course. One. <laughs> and then maybe people would be interested in knowing about what I, this is a charity for me, so it's taken over my life, Comedy Women in Print, particularly now. So 
people who are unpublished have become published through it. So I've got three winners who are now published by grown-up publishers, Witty Women's Fiction. And uh, go on the Comedy Women in Print website. Amazing. And say a nice thing. Say a nice thing about it on Twitter. That's nice. And then I can say a nice thing about whoever said a nice thing and we carry on doing nice. And where can people follow you on Twitter and Instagram? Oh, yes. I'm, uh, I use my name. I don't know if that's odd. I just go at Helen Lederer. Perfect. Tends to get you to a place. Oh, that, yeah, I would like some new followers. It's time to ring the changes. Come on, new people. So boring just having 10 of the same people. Yeah, more, please. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Fingers crossed they'll follow you. Oh, God, yeah, I hope. Thank you. That was great. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com, and we have a Patreon account, which means that you 
can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month. And it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90s-style divorce and heartbreak chat room. And there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast, and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines. And please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.